You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 12, with Alexander Moneypenny and my good colleague. You bastard. <laughs> Bradley Adams. <laughs> Bradley Adams. Okay, everybody, everybody, public service announcement. All Arsenal fans, listen. Everyone just take a big, deep breath. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. It's going to be okay. Even if we we don't sign anyone, it's going to be okay. We haven't got Unai Emery. We'll finish eighth, but it's No, we haven't got Unai Emery. We're fine. It's going to be okay, guys. I can feel the stress. And just before we jump into all that, uh, Bradley, I have a new section for the show. Oh, do you? It's called... Things you didn't know about Mohamed Elneny. Mohamed Elneny's favourite international Hollywood star is Angelina Jolie. That was... Things you didn't know about Mohamed Elneny. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, Brad? Uh, I think fair enough. Um, it's ne- never something that I would have guessed or thought of. There you go. Uh, yeah. Um, as mentioned before, my girlfriend is Egyptian, uh, so she was up late last night Googling... And uh, she found that out from an Arabic website. So um, there you go. Fantastic. I, I, I think that's what... My life is richer. That's what the listeners really want to know, really want to hear about. They really want yeah. to. <laughs> you, can just, you can just feel a couple of people just... Awa, awa, party, party, Talk awa. about it, talk about it. Brad, how many times have you Googled or, or Twitter searched awa in the last 48 hours? Oh, I don't. I, I stay away from that shit. 
I don't Twitter search. Yeah, I just I, I follow. You said that like an old heroin addict. I stay away from that shit, man. No, I stay no, away but from it is the thing it's... is is once you start, it gets addictive. But also, like I follow people on Twitter who have a reputation for being reliable and for not bullshitting. And I, I mean, I do follow I follow a few accounts who are just absolutely either tapping merchants or will just make up fifty rumors in the hope of getting one right, just because I think that sometimes they've got good banter. Um, but I, I try to stay away from as much of like the searching of it as possible. And I get the news that I can trust from kind of the sources and outlets that I've kind of almost verified through my searches. Do you know what I mean? Very sensible. I'm addicted, Brad. I'm absolutely addicted. I can imagine. It's, it's our, our spelt wrong often. So I have to redo it. Our, yeah. uh, party, uh, listen, I am addicted, but, but before we get into that, I'm sorry, I'm tantalizing some listeners here. Before we get into that, we did have a game today. We did. Uh, or, we did. or yesterday when you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, so 2-1 uh, at the Emirates against Sheffield United. Look, it's a, it's a result, as in like it's another three points in the bag. It certainly is a result. That's, yeah. I think that's, that's, all, that's as much as we can take from it. It wasn't exactly an electrifying performance, I thought. No. We were chatting before this and I thought the introduction of Nicolas Pepe changed mm. the game for us. I think mainly because... We were so like uh, you. You brought up the the sky uh, graphic, like the infographic that showed how lopsided we were and how left sided heavy we were. Yeah, there was um uh, an infographic, I think, sort of halfway through the halfway through the first half, which was sort of Willian's average position was next to Saka on that left hand side, and that's fine because we're clearly trying to um, exploit that. But um, yeah, I, th- I think the, the the as you're right, I think you're right to say the addition of Pepe. Changed the game. I thought the lineup was interesting. That uh, you know, Gabriel uh, David Luiz slotting at that right centre back slot. I think Holdings played a lot of football recently. Could be behind that. Yeah. Um. And not not particularly convincing football. Like no. he was decent enough in the Carabao Cup match against Liverpool, but was pretty atrocious in the league game. I thought so. Good to get him off and get Gabriel back in. Yeah, and I think you know it's good to see Luiz slotting in and. Apart from a few dodgy moments, I think he got quite lucky with that, um, with the pull on the shirt. Um, I think, well, Sky appeared to think he got lucky. Sky spent their entire halftime talking about that and not the worst challenge I've seen that's ever got a yellow card ever. Yeah. Um, this I think this is also a conversation because I tweeted this out uh, because it, it genuinely just, do you know what? It doesn't even piss me off. It's not even like that big a deal that it like pisses me off or angers me. I just find it embarrassing that we are the most lucrative league on the planet and we are letting our matches being like be officiated by absolute donkeys. Like it is embarrassing and I've I've watched people harp on about VAR and I think yes the VAR system could be kind of revamped or have slight tweaks so that you know, it could be more entertaining. You could have a challenge system like they do in the NFL or in tennis, Ooh. which would be interesting because then managers could say, no, I want this looked at if play has stopped and then it could change the outcome of a decision. But we've seen so often that these referees are not implementing the rules correctly, even with VAR. VAR is no longer the problem. The problem is VAR. It's an inanimate fucking object. Like it doesn't, it's not, it, it cannot be wrong in the sense of it is just a video of what's just happened. 
But the fact that we are letting these people steal a living is embarrassing. I had uh, um, the Manchester United game on in the background. And uh, just while I was doing a bit of research for the pod, the fact that Lamella didn't get sent off as well as Martial, the fact that Sander Burge didn't get sent off for that ankle breaker of a challenge on Aubameyang, it does just get to a level where I don't actually understand how these people can be so incompetent. Do you get what I mean? Guys, I wish you could have seen that. One day we're going to film this podcast and it was it was, it was was a pure joy to watch Brad. Brad, I fully agree with you, mate. I fully agree with you. That that Sander Burge tackle was... Fucking disgusting. Disgusting challenge. And I always think back to that Eddie Nketiah one against Leicester where they watched it like 40 times or so. Like, yeah. you know, we were there for a good three or four minutes yep. waiting for this decision. And, and that was more of a 50-50 and not even as bad or reckless a challenge. Like, this man f- jumps off of the floor and just dives his feet in. Like, what? It was an awful challenge. Is, like, and Aubameyang does not go down easily. Aubameyang is a player who stays on, his, stays feet. on his feet as much, mm-hmm. as, as, much as possible. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a terrible, terrible decision. And same with, it, it, it happens all the time, though. It's the same with Sadio Mane. Punches Kieran Tierney in the face. Like, smacks him in the face. And it doesn't... The thing is, is even if you don't think that's a red card, it doesn't even get reviewed. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? And I think we're always going to remember the ones that are against our team. Of course we are, but like there's a because they're they're the matches we watch. Yeah, exactly. But there's 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 like a a certain level which I completely agree with you, where things just aren't being looked at again. And and I don't know whether it's the conversation around the referees being told by VAR to have a look at that and come to the monitor. I don't know whether it's a, a instruction that the referees have had. I don't know what it is, but. It, it feels to me like the system isn't being used to it. As you say, it's an inanimate object. It doesn't feel like it's being the tool in and of itself. The VAR tool is, I don't feel like it's being used um, to its best advantage. And you see that in the, in, in the Burge decision today. I mean, that was a, that was a really, really, really poor moment. I, as I said, I thought we got, we got slightly lucky with the David Louise moment. I think, I think it didn't even, not sure if the ball even got stopped. I think they might've had a free kick, but Louise certainly could have got a card for that. Um, he did. Again, did, did, he, did he get a yellow at all? Or was I it just a free kick? Think so. Hang on. I thought he got a yellow, but I could be also just chatting out of my arse. No, Brad, you're never chatting out of your arse. Uh, oh my god, it's six one. It's six one. Six. Oh my god, it's six one. Jesus Christ! I'm, I'm sorry. Surely this shows that Solskjaer is just a PE teacher and needs to just get out, like. Oh my god! It's if this one, if this honestly does not show Man United fans that they need a new manager, the only reason that he is still there. No, they don't. No, no, Brad. No, Brad. They don't. They don't. They need. They, they need to keep him. He is. He is a little puppet for that club. Bradley. No, no, no. Solskjaer is a very, very good manager. As is Mourinho. Keep them both at the clubs. We want them there. <laughs> it's no problem. Uh, Louise did not get a card. Um. He did not. Thank yes. you for correcting me. Uh, that's okay, Brad. Uh, I didn't know either. Very lucky, though. Very yeah, lucky. Yeah, exactly. Because um, that, that, that was borderline. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, if he'd have been sent off, you couldn't really have that many arguments because yeah. the, the other guy's through on goal. Like, it's goal-scoring opportunity. I think the only other thing on the lineup really to say was... Um, it was again. It's difficult to say what's a four at the back, what's a five at the back. Yeah, it felt like we we deliberately set out for a four at the back, which was nice. Um, and, you know, a slightly less attacking, a uh, slightly less defensive option, and Inketia over Lacazette, which is interesting considering Lacazette's kind of early season form. Um, I I don't know actually. 
Lacazette has been very lucky to kind of be considered to be having like pre like a kind of early season form. I, I've like if you rewatch kind of nearly every goal he scored this season, a lot of them have been lucky half chances that he's still kind of screwed up at points and scored. Like the Liverpool goal, because what he's got three goal is it three in the league now in five games, three and five. I think it was three and four or three and three. But if you look at those goals, like it's un it's unbelievably lucky and I know we can talk about having a poacher's instinct and all of that thing and being in the right place at the right times but the lucky part of it is if you know Lacazette's in the right place at the right time to profit off of the Robertson mistake but is lucky that Allison thinks he's a good enough striker to strike the ball well and in a direction that he expects and dives for it mm. because Lacazette just kind of half slices it into the floor and it ends up kind of bobbling over Allison, And I, I'm not surprised, especially in a game like this where, you know, we're coming up against the team that hasn't won any of their opening three games in the league. I'm not surprised that we went to try and give Enketia a bit more of a run out. And I, and I thought we were better when we took Enketia off and played Aubameyang through. I can, I, can see, I can see the logic behind starting Enketia, especially because... Sheffield have a bit of a distinct lack of quality at the back and I think if you harry those guys and, and Ketia, yeah, say had they had a bit more of the ball we might have seen a bit more of Nketiah's you know um, running it to, to put them under pressure which often leads remember that Southampton goal that he scored um, and Ketia's really good at that um, and I think he's scored a few others on a few other occasions but I, I, I do th- it's interesting for me Lacazette maybe it's just a, a playtime thing yeah. Um, for me personally, I, I I noted it. I think it, it, you know, for someone who is in good form, uh, it was interesting that to me that he that he didn't start. Speaking of good form, El Neniesta. I'm oh, sorry, I've got a bit of an obsession with him at the moment. I thought he was fantastic today, as was Sabios. I yeah. thought Sabios um, yeah, was, was fantastic. Um, they, you could see them during the game. Sort of Sabios would drop deep, um, pick up the ball from from when we were uh, playing out from the back. You saw El Neni arriving late. I don't think Elneny has any <laughs> any sort of quality beyond a six or seven out of ten performance, but he is a lot more than a ball recycler. You know, we I think there's a few. Um, he, he he played a few cross uh, sort of cross field balls. I saw him break the lines a couple of times. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting Elneny is the answer to our prayers. I don't think he's that good, right? No. But I think to suggest he's just someone who can only who can only pass sideways. He does a lot of passing sideways, but he's everywhere. He's he can he can play, and he's so consistent. And for you know, for Arteta, you need those in a squad. You you look at every squad. Not every player in those squads tends to have that technical ability to do a forty yard pinger and hit hit the nose like hit it straight onto the foot. No, like pinpoint accuracy, but you need those kind of players that are going to run and going to tackle and going to press and going to do all of these things so that then your players like Xhaka, who are slightly more immobile, can be immobile and just rely on their passing range and accuracy. He was absolutely everywhere, though. He was everywhere, man. And I'm sure if we found a heat map, there'd be it would back it up because and. I see a lot of people on the timeline. I see a lot of people in in discussion. You know, sort of going, "This El Neni guy, you know, getting another game. Wow, sort of." And I guess even we a little bit are going like, "Wow, this, you know." But he's a 
he's a good player. <laughs> like, he's quite good. He's decent. He's never going to change the world. But he, as you say, you need an Elneny. You need someone in your squad who can deliver you consistent performances. He's not. He's never going to change the world. But he is someone who does it. I think offers a lot more than people think he does. Of course. I sound like I was crying then. That was just my voice cracking. Yeah. We need we need to understand. <laughs> and then he's really good. Our midfield just is not where it needs to be. We're, we've been so spoiled as Arsenal fans having fantastic midfielders. And often where we've lacked is in the front areas or in the back areas. Now it seems that we've kind of got the defence sorted to a degree. I still think we need to get rid of most of the centre-backs we have and maybe bring in one more. But we've got Gabriel, who looks like an absolute world-beater. And could you imagine if he'd have gone to Everton, the squad that they would have now? Yeah, we've had a question about Gabriel uh, from A-U-G-O-G-R-Y. Or Godgry. Anyway, Or Godgry has said, sorry if that's not your name, mate, uh, is Gabriel our best centre-back since Tony Adams? Now, <laughs> that's a huge, no. huge shout. It's um, a huge claim. Huge claim. But I, I, I do, I do I see the comparison. He's imperious. He looked. He had another great performance today. Uh, he's all over the place. He wins headers and he wins the second header so well. Mm-hmm. Um, he wins. Uh, yeah, he's, his passing range is fantastic. He looks really consistent. He started to use both feet as well. I noticed he was a bit one, one-footed in the first couple of, couple of games. Um, today he was using his right a lot more. Um, he can break the lines. Uh, he's fantastic. And at his, at his age profile, for the price we paid, say... Oh, he's... It's it's a bargain. It's twenty two million pounds or so, and you think like. Sorry to make the obvious comparison, but compare him to a a certain uh, eighty million pound fridge, and uh, it looks like a, a snip. Yeah, or even like like, but even if you compare him to other defenders we've signed, like you look at the Pablo Mari deal. The Pablo Mari deal to loan him and then sign him on a permanent deal cost Arsenal sixteen million pounds. You're looking at a player who, in the limited minutes he played for Arsenal, did look shaky. Now, I'm not going to have any recency bias and say that, you know, Gabriel is this absolutely world-beating centre-back and is the next Virgil van Dijk because we don't know that. But he's putting in great performances. And if he if he plays like this consistently, honestly, like, he's going he's going to that top level. I'm not going to compare him to van Dijk, but he's going to that top level. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. He's going to be an elite-level centre-back. But we've had we've been very lucky with, the, with a lot of defenders. You know, Koscielny was was one of uh, like the best performing centre backs for a long time for us. That partnership of him and Per Mertesacker was brilliant. Then you think of Colo Torre, Sol Campbell, mm. all players that played post Tony Adams that you know you could rival for that kind of crown as being at their peak and at their pomp, mm. Arsenal's best centre back. I do think that Tony Adams because he was this absolutely Im- like you say imperious figure and leading captain gets all the, like a lot of credit and absolutely deserves it. But for a modern centre-back with Gabriel? Yeah. For, yeah, I think this is the thing. And I was also listening to a discussion about uh, like goalkeepers and how... Was it on the kickoff, Brad? No, no, it actually wasn't. <laughs> You're so defensive. Uh, well, no, it, it wasn't. No, fine. Alex, it wasn't. It wasn't, no, Alex. No, Alex. No, Alex. I was watching the kickoff today, actually, and they said they said this, a similar kind of thing in that um, distribution for a goalkeeper in the modern game has almost become the fir- like the most important thing. I think for top goalkeepers, yes. As in playing for top teams. Yeah, for, like, for or, players that play yeah. at Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man United, if Man United, 6-1, uh, like Chelsea, all of these teams, they're looking for players... 
and for goalkeepers, sorry, that, that we'll be able to distribute the ball and pass the ball to feed. It's certainly one of the first things I look for, 100%. I think that's so important. And in a ball-playing centre-back, you know, Gabriel will be the person that takes... so Because David Luiz is going on a free at the end of the season. I don't think we give him another year contract. I just don't think it happens. And if it does, yeah. Edu needs to go. Absolutely. Because it's a fucking travesty if we give a 33-year-old Luiz another year at the club without just signing some fucking centre-backs. Um, I'll mate, wait for tomorrow. Well, I'll just say that. Wait for tomorrow. I'm going to go in. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so we're just to, just to let everyone know, we're going to do a bonus pod tomorrow night at eleven pm. We will be recording and putting it out, um, hopefully as soon as possible. Um, so if things don't happen, it's going to be a spicy one, boys. What should we call it? The Bradley, the the Bradley the tirade, Bradley breakdown. the Bradley breakdown. You got it. You got it. Prepare for the Bradley breakdown. Oh, uh, Gabriel. Yeah, and the passing the passing range of of Gabriel's it is great, and you think it's something that we've needed. And then with maybe a more conservative centre-back, if he matures into the player that we know he can to be, you know, William Saliba or whoever else we bring in to kind of fill that void. Yeah. Brilliant. But it, it was positive to see him playing well in a back four. Yeah. Next, I thought David Luiz had a shocker. He had moments. He was pretty solid. He's at fault for their goal. He doesn't close down. I don't know. You could you could argue it's Tierney. You could argue it's Tierney. I don't know. I, I think Kieran Tierney gets a bit left behind, but I, I think it's both. Like you, you like you just Vidic, uh, Vidic who's one of my favourite de- defenders of all time, says that like it's something like you can get over a broken nose, but you can't get over like your ego of letting the opponent score. And it's just it's limp. It's lackluster. Kieran Tierney gets left behind. Yes, should he do better? Absolutely. But David Luiz has to close down that man. And that shot's coming in from outside the box. Throw your body in front of it and just deflect it out for a corner or a throw-in or whatever. The shot should never take I know what you mean. I just think like... It's just... It seems like we lack the basics at the uh, moment. I don't know. I I, I think Arteta's got us a lot more compact. I think think defensively we look a lot more solid. I think with, with, with Luiz... He is what he is. We we can dunk on we can dunk on Louise all we want, but he is what we, what he is, and he is what he is. He is uh, what he is. Um, what is that from? I don't know. I don't. I just started doing do. it because you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, he is what he is. He's all. I think they said it in commentary. He has his good days and his bad days, and you know, Louise can can. can do a goal line, you know, last ditch saving tackle one minute and then forget to track his runner the next. He's just erratic. Um, I think he he is what he is. And I just find kind of expecting more or less of him feels like pointless. expecting more or less of a Giroud. You know, you know what you're getting with a Giroud, you know, yeah. expecting more or less of a... Uh, a Kolasinac. You know what you're getting with that person. And it's, I just think with a, with a Giroud though, it doesn't... I know it sounds stupid, but I don't think it matters as much. Yeah. As in like, you, especially if you're creating chances, like like we were when we had Giroud. If Giroud missed three chances when we were creating 20 chances a game, or even if he missed like six chances, it didn't matter as much because other people would still be getting chances and he might still be getting other chances. But it feels like with a centre-back and with or a defensive midfielder that if you do switch off and you do fuck up that one time, it fucks the game it's like when he came on a, against City you know he switched off for two key moments uh, basically assisted Sterling and then got himself sent yeah. off for the penalty I, I, I have nothing I have nothing to add I, I you know 
he is he can be a liability he can also be a fantastic defender we we see this at yeah. all times i just think you know one more the, year the, one more year and one, then it's done yeah yeah and then we're, we're, we're through it then we're fucking clear <laughs> of it uh last couple of bits on the game then i think um Interesting to see Elneny dropping into that uh, deep sort of right back role at times. Uh, I think Sabayos did it every. Yeah, covering for Hector. Yeah, we'll just, we'll discuss it. We'll come on to Hector in the middle uh, uh, again in a, in a minute. I think again, especially in the first half, uh, Sheffield were really good on the overloads. Um, we weren't moving the ball fast enough, and when we and when we could, you're right. When Pepe comes on, um, we we could definitely uh, see a, a change because we were moving the ball. And not just playing it down that left hand side and being predictable. We were moving the ball quicker from from uh, each side. I think that's what happened for the first goal. Basically, we just moved it quicker, um, and Sheffield couldn't overload us, and 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 we got the goal that way. Um, Pepe came on, did did a fantastic job. I think I think um, Mikel said in his post post match that basically he's he's expecting more of him, and he's starting to deliver on a match day, which is fantastic. And uh, I think he said uh, he seems more concentrated. Mm-hmm. Um, we also saw a brilliant moment of Pepe doing some nice sort of last ditch defending. Um, you don't often see Pepe doing that, so I wonder whether something's something switched there. Mm. Hector, just the last bit on the game, I think is playing at a fantastic level at the moment. And um, yeah, I'd agree. It's his cross for Saka, isn't it? That, yeah. Oh, two two assists. Yeah, fantastic play, fantastic play. The cross is is absolutely inch perfect. And I have to say, that header from Saka is yeah. unbelievable technique. To just plant it and guide it right into that co- unbelievable. Yeah. Oh. No, he's doing he's doing amazing, man. And and I think he's transitioning from a straight line, basically an athlete, into a properly well-rounded football player. And he said, um, yeah. there's been some comments from Arteta saying, there's no secrets. He's demanding all the time to do more individual work to improve in the final third. He's doing a lot of reviews, a lot of individual defensive work, as well as in things that he has to improve. When you do that, you get rewarded. Um, and, you know, when, when asked about his his move away, Arteta is saying, yep, you know, I feared he might leave because I understand it's such a long time. Um, you know, he's, he's doubted whether he was okay to, to continue here, what ambitions he had here, how he can evolve here. Uh, but he came to me and he said, I can see what we're trying to do here and I'm convinced it's the right place for me. And I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing that in his in his in his performances in his in his you know because it looked as though Tierney was kind of running away with the fullback mantle of you know that guy, especially on that left hand side. But don't sleep on Bellerin. I think you know at twenty five with a new coach with a with a new uh, hopefully a, a more confident Pepe and a more focused Pepe moving forward, um, we could see a, a huge huge leap. With actual structure as well. And I think people forget that we didn't see a lot of him with Pepe last season. Yeah. You know, they, you know, Bellerin came into the season injured and we didn't see a lot of that Pepe-Bellerin link up for, for a while. Yeah. And then, you know, Bellerin's obviously going to have to have time to get back to, to kind of full potential or even like just full fitness from an ACL injury. You know, it's fucking mm. horrific. And there has been, st- I mean, it, it is an injury that has ended people's careers yeah. in a sense, as in like they've never been able to perform at the level they once did after this injury. Just really, really gassed that he's, um, he's absolutely smashing it at the moment. Uh, and I love the man. He's, he's great. Okay, Brad. Uh, are we going to do it? Should we do it? I think it's time, Alex. I think it's time that I, uh, I saw a little tweet on uh, at Diffnock. Go and give us a follow. And uh, I saw that you get, what was it, a seven? 
Was it a seven or a six? It was a six, bro. Is it a six? A six out of ten. Don't misquote me. For uh, Arsenal's transfer business this window. And uh, I, I replied to that tweet saying it's immensely generous or extremely generous, whichever whichever adjective I chose. And I'd just like to give you the opportunity. I'll give you the floor to kind of explain your, your pathos and thinking. Uh, let me just find the adjective you did use. Hang on. Extremely generous in capital letters. This is how serious I was when I saw this. Extremely. Brad, you, 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 you tweet quite emphatically, Bradley. I do. I do. No bullshit here. Um, so... I the four points that we could have got had we signed Party and Awa, and we still might, we still might. Who we knows? still might. We still, who knows? Who knows? But this is on the balance of the of the window we have had so yeah. far. Exactly. So if we signed Party and Awa, which I believe would completely rejuvenate our midfield and give us the options that we need and be enough for this window, be the best window that we could have had. Without those, I believe we're at a six. Okay. And I'll give you the reasons why. Alba, new contract. Saka, new contract. Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, new contract. Signed a proper left-sided centre-back. We've made Marie and um, Cedric uh, permanents. Now, I don't think those are the best deals in the world, but they're positions that we needed covering. And Cedric can cover either side. We haven't really seen enough of Marie to, to know much. Sol Martinez, again... I wish we didn't have to, but in the position that we are for the club that we are, I think that's a good move for us for the for the money that it was. William on a free transfer is fantastic. I think um, getting rid of uh, Mkhitaryan was good. I think uh, signing Alex Runarsson, we don't know massively yet, but sounds like it's a, a decent deal, especially with the price it is. It's a very low... Um, it's, a, it's a not a lot of risk for me. If, if he doesn't work out, We'll add, you know, five, ten million to his transfer fee and we can move him on in a year's time. But, you know, by the sounds of things, he's a decent keeper and he's worked with our goalkeeping coach before. And we can only go off that. That's all I think the only um, transfer stuff we've done. But as I say, that moves to a nine or a ten if we can get in an hour and a party. Okay. Shall I, shall I explain why I, I differ from you? Absolutely not. Let's just end the podcast there. Well, then let's <laughs> let's end the podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I... Uh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Brad won't say bye again. Ever. It never happens. <laughs> Ever. It's, it's the alpha move. I should let you deal with it. It's the fucking alpha move. Yeah, love it. All right, mate, go on. Um, here's why we differ. I don't count new contracts. I don't I think that that is the and I think that because of the way that Arsenal have acted in the last few years about contracts and the situations that we've gotten ourselves into actually managing to do the bare minimum of keeping the players that you want contracted to your club it's it's not new signings it's it's this squad is is but it two is business players. It's business. No, it's, in, in, no, in no, no, but no other club, no other club celebrates signing their players to new deals in the way that we have this summer. When we signed Saka, to, and I think it's this is the difference between why other other clubs are run much, much no matter how much they spend. Abamyang should have been getting nowhere near. 
the end of his deal. Sanchez, Ozil, Saka, none of these players should ever be getting anywhere near the level where they can walk in 12 months time because it puts us in, in such, such bad, like negotiating positions. And I think this is what, again, one of the reasons that we're struggling with negotiating for our war is because it's painfully obvious that we need him. If you were Liverpool and you've just won the league and you won the Champions League the year before and they see you as a complete team, you have you have the option to walk away at any point. Arsenal don't have that. We are so desperate for midfielders that our kind of, oh, we're going to walk away is just, it does not hold the weight because clubs are just so, it's so obvious that we need these players. And I think that signing players to new contracts when you already have them at your club is the bare minimum you do and that's that's why I, I personally don't include them I think that that's the shit that just needs to get done anyway because at the end of the day we managed to sign we've managed to sign loads of players to new contracts we should be negotiating far enough in advance and well enough that we are getting our best players and our top prospects down to these deals Balogun we... should not be able to leave next year on a free it should but be we're, happening. But we're... Ju- okay, number of things. But we're, we're judging Arteta and Edu now. We're not yes. judging... We're not judging Sanyehi. We're not judging Gazidis. This is the first window when we can judge them. It's not their fault they're in this position, right? And no, I no, no, disagree. no, no. I'm not saying that it is. No, 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 no. no I know. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is it's not their fault that, that contractually we're in, this, we're in this position, which I agree with you on. What I'm saying is it is good business from them to do that. They've signed two of their best, basic, best basically good young players down to a contract. They've signed their captain and their best player down to a contract. They've, you know, you're never ever going to win every single one. Balogun may end up going on a free. You are never going to, and I just think, but in terms of the business that we needed to get done, I do count it as business for this window. Like I do, because... I, I, I just think it's, I think it's more about kind of, but it's it's contracts. It's con- that's what that's what transfers are. They're they're contracts to a club. It's contracts. No, 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 no. I to- I totally understand. I totally under- I totally understand. But this team is has had two additions to the team that finished eighth last season. Two additions that realistically change us from eighth to seventh or sixth. They don't change us drastically into the team that we need to be. And I'm not saying that you can do that in a window. I think that even if we get party and hour, we can challenge for top four, but I think that it would be almost unachievable in the sense that you would be expecting both of those players to hit the ground running and be perfect and work perfectly within a system automatically. I just, my, my opinion on it is, is you have players at your club that you need that, that you, you, we knew that we needed to have Aubameyang signed down to a new deal. I'm not saying it's Edu or Mikel's fault, and I think it's fantastic that they've got them signed to a new deal, but it doesn't change the fortunes or the situations of the club. So I don't think you can rate it as transfer business. It's business in a contractual sense, but it's not transfer business. And that's where I think our opinions personally differ, which is why I think for me, I mean, I don't go much further down than you. I think it's at like a four and a half or a five. We've addressed the centre-back issue, which is fantastic. We seem to have got an absolutely brilliant steal in Gabriel. We've gotten a winger in who will put some more defensive numbers up, especially against bigger sides that maybe Nicolas Pepe is not ready to do. And also gives us a rotation option either in the cam roll or on the right or the left wing. But we have failed in our main targets of getting midfielders. Our defence, now we have Gabriel, 
is perfectly serviceable to last the season in the Premier League and then we can again readdress it next summer. Our attack is the same, but the one area that we really do did need work is this midfield and it is the perfect summer to do so and we are yet to do it. And whether it's because we've got too many foreign players and we ha we need to fill the homegrown quota or whether it's because of finances or and I'm, I'm not blaming Arteta I'm not blaming Edu I think at the end of the day they're hamstrung to a situation that they've been left they don't have a lot of money and they've been left with aging players on ridiculous wages that they can't shift out but we've brought two players in I mean Runarsson yes but arguably that makes us worse because Emmy Martinez is a Premier League proven goalkeeper who can step in and, and be at a very good level when we need him. We don't know what this Runarsson kid is like. So if you're looking at the two signings which arguably make us better, they make us better in areas that we... One of them, you could argue with Willian, we didn't need as much as we needed midfielders. I think if you sort the centre midfield out and don't sign Willian, I think that's perfectly fine. But we have we have neglected to fix the one area in our squad that even if we even if we didn't sign Gabriel and we just went into next season with somebody in that midfield who can do some running and put up some defensive numbers and a creative outlet in that midfield, we would be a lot better than we were last season under Mikel Arteta. But we've not done these things, which is why I, I can't give it more than like half marks. Because it's just lacklustre business in a market that is ripe for picking. Hussam was a £60 million midfielder. 70 probably, if you're talking about just after the Neymar transfer. Thomas Partey, he has a £45 million release clause. We paid £55 million for Squadron Mustafi and Lucas Perez. Like, these are great deals and we are not getting them that that them done if that's because of finances or anything i just think that we can't rate it more than we already are it's it's barely anything we've barely changed our team i hear you i do hear you i i, I and actually i agree with with the large the large majority of what you just said but i it's just for me i think those those contracts being sorted out do feel like part of a um a policy and a transfer awareness and 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 in in some way going some way to fixing those problems that we come up against in that we don't have the money to push for mm. an hour because we've you know it's it's a it's a what's the word a domino effect say we get money for sanchez you know where does that money go what does that mean we can buy a better center back you know or buy a better goalkeeper better backup goalkeeper this year you know you you look at that and you look at where the club's finances are and and I just do count it as part of the kind of transfer strategy, but I, I respect your opinion. I also respect your opinion, Alex. Thank you, Bradley. We've had a question from uh, Adnan Khan. Adnan R. Khan has asked, how do we as a fan base stop tripping out over transfers? Um, Hashtag Diffnock. Stop looking at Twitter? Yeah, maybe that's a quick, quick fix. I think there's a... Um, James McNicholas talks about this on the on the Ask blog, and I, and I completely agree with him. In that, there appears now to be like big transfers, almost like trophies. They've almost become like, mm -hmm. oh, your X million amount of player hasn't worked out against our Y million amount of player. We're better than you. It's another way of a. Yeah, but that's just because fans are stupid. But I, I I do understand, and and I think you know, but the the kind of the 
the hunger for transfers and the hunger for for news and rumors and stuff i think you know obviously Mm -hmm. does come from that kind of that and social media people want that dopamine hit and people want that you know the the feeling that their club is is going somewhere and is going to be competitive and and often you do find that 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 transfers do change things i think what's and you look at chelsea and you look at um you know obviously they won 4-0 yesterday but it's not all kind of rosy spurs it's it's more about how a team a team is cohesive and i think to answer the question i think when we i think this all, all I think all things are like this are a cycle and there will be a, a, probably another three or four years where people think signing big players and signing, you know, the, the sort of hundred million pound players is going to fix systems. But what's going to happen is we're going to get lots of big transfers that don't work out for every team. We're going to get lots of, it's all, yeah, as you say, it's kind of post the Neymar thing. We're going to get a lot of um, kind of big moments and pe- you know people going in big for for, for signings, especially after coronavirus. Jaden Sanchez, and then I think we all of those kind of moves. Exactly, we're, we're gonna, but we're gonna start to see that actually your twenty two millions for Gabrielle's changed it. We're gonna start to see your um, however much Chelsea paid for that keeper twenty five million for Tierney. Yeah, for, for Tierney, and not necessarily be about the transfer fee, but about the quality of player. Um, you're managing to that, nab that you're it. getting and crucially how that player then improves and it slots into the system and I think there's a there's a furore around the transfer market at the moment which I don't think will necessarily go away because I think there's a magic around it but I think there is certainly that kind of trophyism and that kind of um, the idea of a, a tokenism around certain players or we've signed the most amount of players this summer for the most amount of money therefore we're going to improve the most mm-hmm. and i think that idea and that philosophy and that ideology has been proved not to work over the years but most crucially in recent times at big clubs the likes of manchester united signing you know the likes of di maria signing pogba signing mm-hmm. um uh, falcao you know signing these massive players on the massive wages sanchez all this sort of stuff you know spending the most amount of money i think the chelsea project i think could be another thing you'll see a few few of those players not working out. I couldn't tell you who now, obviously, but I imagine a few won't work out. And I think fans, as a conscious, will start to understand that transfers aren't fixes. And in a way that they may have been before where, you know, we, we've had seen this huge inflation in transfers. And we, we see often before, we've seen big deals. You look at Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Gareth Bales, those happening. And as more of those start to happen, almost we expect one, one or two every summer, we start to see that they don't, always work out yeah and um so yeah they yeah. don't they don't and this is the issue is it's so much football is so much more about tactics and how you set up rather than who you have in your team especially now at the end of the day there are so many quality players out there now that most people can beat anyone you look at everton's midfield everton arguably have one of the i personally think best most well-rounded midfield trios in the country you know, you're talking, they're, they're competing with the elite, like the elite clubs when it comes to their midfield. OK, their defence may be a bit lacklustre and they could improve in kind of attacking, yeah. like with their strikers. But their midfield, Hammers, and this is the thing. I think as Arsenal fans, we get fixated on players. Exactly. Alwa would be fantastic, of course. And I would love to have him not only because he's young and he's a brilliant player, but he's a sellable asset in four years time you know, for £90 million, if we're still talking about these kind of transfer fees. But if you had given me the option to sign either either one of 
Alwa or Party or sign both Alan and James Rodriguez. I'd take Alan and James Rodriguez because they complete a midfield. And it is more important to have two players that may not be technically in their own right as good. Like, I don't think James Rodriguez has been fucking phenomenal in the opening four games of the season. But does Alwa have a higher ceiling? Yes. But it's more about a complete squad. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's more about exactly. a complete squad and not exactly. the, the signing the best player. Jaden Sancho won't do anything for United because they're good at attacking. They're good at going forward. It's their defence and midfield that, sh- yeah. that is falling yeah. apart in these and games. It's systemic. It's systemically, is it coaching? Is it, you know, people turn to the transfer market. And this is what I'm trying to say. Is it people people turn and go, we need a better centre-back. We need a, you know, Man United have signed centre back after centre back. They've signed midfielder after midfielder. They've said, and they've never found the 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 fix. So then I wonder, is it signing the biggest players in the in the in the biggest market or is it the coaching? Is it the system? Is it signing a player whom who may be 15, 20 million, but will sit there and do the dirty work that you need to build build something exactly, on. Exactly. So it's exactly and it's also about how a coach improves the players that you have at the club. You can see at Definitely. Arsenal, and this is why I, I I'm not I mean, we'll come on I'll come on to the hour question in a second. Just to, just just to wrap wrap up this one, I think I'm less concerned about that thing because it's clear all of the players are improving, and this is my, this or most of the players are are certainly improving or on a decent run of form, and I think that comes down to the coaching, that comes down to individual setup, the the system, the the tactics we're playing. Sabios has taken leaps, Bayern's taken leaps, Abamyang is obviously incredible, but he's found another level in the last six months. There's, you know, Lacazette is is on a decent run of form. You know, you look at Nketiah, how much he's he's come on. Um, you look at, you know, Leno, fantastic guys who all, I think, have gone up a level, say, since a year or 18 months ago. Uh-huh. So then for you, Brad, just to finish this one up, um, as we mentioned, we'll have a bonus pod out tomorrow night discussing all things transfer market. So we've not we've not focused too much on it today. We have, we we have we absolutely <laughs> you can't get away from it. But it will be it will be entirely about the transfer market tomorrow. Um, what do you think? What would be your let's say what's what's the dream scenario in the next twenty four hours, and what's the realistic scenario? Do you think in the next twenty four hours? Dream scenario: the next twenty four hours is our and party through the door. Of course, it is because they're both elite level players currently, and our has a, a very high ceiling. Whether that be because then we can sell him on and help rejuvenate the squad when that happens or whatever that's that's kind of the dream realistically though it all depends on outgoings and i think this is why i also said that arsenal's windows are five out of ten or a four and a half out of ten is because we've we've not done the work to we've not shifted the players we've needed to shift and it's left us in in poor situations if we weren't gonna what would have been better to let to get rid of Socrates on a free and just take that or wait for eight million that never comes? Hmm. I think that the realistic scenario I look also our lass is full of shit. There is every chance that because Leon are desperate for money, one because of coronavirus and two because they missed out on European football. And I and I just sorry to stop you, and I made this point. The only person or the only real outlet reporting or the only outlets reporting are RMC and Lekeep which are massively connected to, to Alas and to Leon yes, and, and he's going to be feeding them the information so we don't know what's going on and they need to make a big sale this summer and if it comes to deadline day 
and they have not done that. And Mikel comes in or Edu comes in and offers the same offer, if not maybe slightly improved. I would I think they might be inclined to accept it. But and so mm. I the thing is, is I think it can happen. And which is why I've, I've, I mean, I've said in my tweets, I will wait for the for the gates to slam shut on the transfer window tomorrow. And, and then, then the Bradley. Make, and then we can make our decisions because at the end of the day, yeah. nobody knows really what's going to end up happening in in the league even until you... Because at the Manchester United will probably end up signing Jadon Sancho in the next 24 hours. Big call. I can see it happening. For a hundred for 120 million, I can absolutely see it happening. But I think it's... I think it's the biggest waste of 120 million I've ever seen. They're not, they don't need attackers. Mm. They needed a centre forward and they've addressed it with Cavani. They don't need another winger. They need Matic, they need better centre backs. And and they, they need better to, coaching. Yeah, and they need a better left back. And this is this is the thing. Like, I, I can see all these things happening. We can't make any kind of statements about how good or how bad a transfer window has really been until the end of the transfer window. Because if our and party come in, it is, for me, a 10 out of 10. We have mm-hmm. addressed the midfield. We have got Albert to that new contract, which, although I don't consider transfer business, is still fucking fantastic. And we've brought yep. in a brilliant defender. So we've done as much as our financial remit allows. But I, I do think that realistically... If we get Alwar in, and then maybe instead of a party like a Samare, yep. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think I'm very similar to you in that our own party through would be the dream. And realistically, as we've been linked to Samare. Uh, I, th- I think we'll also see some outgoings. Uh, obviously, we're waiting on Klasnach to Leverkusen. There's been some talk about uh, Chambers to yeah. uh, West Ham in the last couple of hours. Um yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Brad and I will be back tomorrow night um, from probably from about midnight. You'll get that pod out. But um, let's leave the last word to Mikel Arteta. I'm confident we know exactly what we want to do. We are trying our best to finalise the deals that we want, whether that is sending someone on loan or bringing someone in. Let's see what happens in the next 36 hours. Believe me, the ownership, the board and myself are doing everything they can. It's not just words. It's reality. So, let's just wait and see. All right, Brad, you're going to say bye. I mean, the ownership—I'll say bye. I was just going to say the ownership ain't doing shit at all. He's in LA building a stadium. He didn't give a yeah. shit. <laughs> Can't deny that one. <laughs> all right, thanks very much for listening. All right, see you later, guys. Cheers. Oh, Brad said bye. Brilliant. I said bye. <laughs> thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock Podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiffKnock and check out our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.